You are listening to the Mother Good Podcast, episode number 57. I'm your host, Emily Carney. We at Mother Good believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mother Good Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today, whether you're a new listener or you've been listening to us for a while now, we really appreciate it. And if you have a few extra moments today, we'd really appreciate it too if you would just hit the subscribe button and or rate us in whatever podcast app that you listen to that just helps us with rankings and gets more visibility as well. So thank you so much for doing that. And I'm really excited for our guest today, uh, Dr. Danielle, who is a pediatric physical therapist. Uh, I've been looking at her Instagram page and just all the materials that she's puts online and on her website, and I'm just blown away by all the different things that you can do with children and babies, and I had no idea, so I'm really excited for you to listen to uh, everything, you know, in terms of, you know, purposeful play. I had no idea what that was, and also different tummy time and different things you can do with tummy time and um, even different ways that you can help train your kid and and use their fine motor skills to help them develop for potty training, just those sorts of things, just to give you a little preview. Uh, but as usual, that everything that is this episode, as with all of our medical episodes, are not actual medical advice. There's no doctor-patient relationship formed, and it's purely for educational and informational purposes. So for that, with that, I'd like to welcome Danielle to the show. She is a mom uh, to a sweet, busy two-year-old boy with a baby on the way. And as I mentioned, she's a pediatric physical therapist with more than four years of experience, but I'd love for her to tell everyone about herself. So Danielle, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, my name's Danielle, and I am a pediatric physical therapist. I created a Purposeful Play PT, which is mostly just an Instagram page that I wanted to create to help other parents uh, learn how to play with their children in order to help promote their development. Um, when I became a mom, I was I was just very surprised by the lack of knowledge that was around and the lack of awareness um, with a lot of the other moms and parents that I was speaking to regarding the importance of really addressing those develop that those developmental milestones and how easy it is to really incorporate that into play. And so when I became a mom, I kind of had this idea and that's when I launched my Instagram page. And now um, I have, I'm also on Facebook and I have my own website and I'm planning to do more with it, like creating courses for people in the future in order to help them. And I work, uh, I work part-time as a physical therapist, and I've been working for about over four years with the pediatric population. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's about it. <laughs> How did you get interested in pediatric physical therapy? Because I never really thought of that in terms of just normal childhood development. I, I guess in my mind, uh, you know, physical therapists were more of if you have an injury or you're recovering from surgery, those sorts of things. What made you get interested in the pediatric side? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a it's the area that people don't realize that is actually, yeah, a lot of times people think of physical therapy and they think of, you know, treating adults with injuries. But um, I actually was involved in a program where we would 
go to Mexico in my undergrad. I went to a school in Southern California and we would go to Mexico and do physical therapy on kids with special needs who couldn't afford it. That's actually where I also met my husband, which is kind of a cool story. Um, But that's really where I felt like I really saw the impact and the just how rewarding it can be. Um, A lot of the children had severe special needs that we were working on and really just Mm -hmm. the simplest things like placing your hand on them or just, you know, giving them a gentle stretch just made such a difference um, in their lives. And so I feel like that's really where I kind of found that passion. Um, And I felt like it was just a lot more rewarding. And I felt like just seeing the joy that they had on their face just always brought me joy too. So that's kind of where it all started. And then in school, I really sought out to get as many internships in pediatrics as I could to try and get as much experience as I could. That's a wonderful experience. And is that where you met uh, Dr. Betsy? Do you, you yeah, know her, right? Uh, we were actually or... in, the, yeah, we were in the same PT school class. So over at Azusa Pacific University. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So where I also did my oh, nice. grad school. Okay, because I know that we've had mm-hmm. her on the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, she's a public it. floor physical therapist. Yeah, so it's really cool just to see, yeah, our colleagues and fellow classmates, what they're doing out there on the online. <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. we've had her on the show a few times, and she's been super helpful with just talking about different aspects of pelvic floor physical therapy. And, and that's how I, I kind of was introduced to you too. So that's neat that, that you both know each other and went to school together. Yeah, yeah. So I'd love to dive into your passion. And that's talking about the purposeful play. I know that you have an Instagram account to promote that. It's at purposeful underscore play underscore PT. So if anyone listening wants to follow her along, I'll also link it to the show notes and uh, link it on our Instagram as well. And her Facebook is Purposeful Play PT. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I honestly had never even heard of this concept before I came across your page, but I'm really hooked at the idea of it. And I'm just so excited to talk to you to learn more about it. So tell us what is Purposeful Play? (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, I mean, it really just is playing with a purpose in mind. So it sounds sounds pretty simple, but basically it's having a mindset of setting up the environment that your child's playing in with a purpose in mind to help them um, develop and grow stronger. Uh, I think oftentimes it's really just creating those opportunities for movement within your everyday play or your everyday activities. So one of the examples that I like to use is rolling them over during a diaper change or practicing tummy time during a diaper change. Um, Just like different simple tips that you can do throughout the day to really help promote their development without even really having to try. That's really cool. So when I'm listening to that, it all sounds great. And I wish that I knew different ideas to do Mm -hmm. with kids. But at the same time, sometimes, at least for me, it kind of feels a little bit overwhelming. Just the thought of, oh, like, how can I incorporate something that will help them practice their gross motor skills or fine motor skills, those sorts of things. So I thought it would be great if we could just go over different purposeful play ideas. I know you talk about them on your 
Instagram page and on your different social media pages. So I thought uh, just in terms of practicality to give everyone an idea and also, you know, to help myself, let's just go over some of the the different age groups. I know that you break it down on your, uh, your websites for zero to three months, three to six months, six to nine months, nine to nine, uh, nine to 12 months, uh, 12 to 18 months, and then 18 to 24 months. And I'm not sure if you have toddler as well, but I thought it would be really informative if we could just get the basics of what we should be doing during those. Yeah, ages. of course. Um, I'm happy to, I'm happy to share. I, yeah, I do have on my Instagram page, it's in a little bit more detail, but I'll just go through those different age ranges and kind of what you want to expect during those times and kind of the best ways to play with play with your children at that age. So starting off a lot of times when a baby is a newborn or zero to three months, they're not really going to be interested in much else but you. So they want to see your face. They want to see, they can't really see super far in front of them either. They really can only see like less than 12 inches. So uh, toys aren't really, they're not really going to be as interested in toys, but they're going to be interested in you. So one of my favorite ways to really incorporate development and promote strength and development during this time is doing tummy time, but doing it like on your chest. So um, I think a lot Mm. of people don't realize that tummy time isn't just placing your baby on the floor and you want, and also that you want to start it right away and that you can start it right away. It's not going to do any harm to your child. And so a lot of times, my recommendation to start initially is to just start having them lay on your chest at an incline while you're laying on the couch, have them look at your face, talk to them, engage with them. Uh, That's a great way to start in that age range. (laughs) I love that. I I had no idea either because when I was looking at your page and then I came across tummy time in different ways to do tummy time, my mind was just blown because, you know, as I mentioned before we started recording, uh, I have a almost five month old. And yeah, I mean, with my daughter and my son, we've just been putting him on his tummy and just hoping, you know, I mean, sometimes I put him in front of the mirror, so it gives him a little bit more attention so he can look at himself or something. And that seems to motivate him a little bit. But when I just put him on his tummy on the floor, he doesn't, he gets upset pretty easily, which I'm sure that's what most babies do. So that, that's such a good idea to have them be on your chest. Is there any other ways that you could do tummy time to just kind of engage them a little more Um, at that age. Also, you can hold them in tummy time. So, I mean, holding your baby isn't always a bad thing. Uh, I know that that's a big misconception out there too. Uh, But there's ways that you can hold your child um, on their tummy by just putting your arm in between their legs and having it rest on their stomach and holding one hand here. Almost a lot of times people will call it like Superman or airplane and you do that. Okay. Or like the football. Uh-huh, yeah. Do that of. rocking motion. Okay. Because really what that. you want to mm-hmm. see at this age, I mean, really you're building those foundational, that, those foundational, that foundational strength to develop into the other mi- milestones that they're going to need to develop into. So rolling, crawling. So develop mm-hmm. by, by starting early with tummy time, it's really important because you're, you're really developing those muscles that they need to push up on their own and really strengthen their, their back and their neck um, and also their core. And so it's really anything where their head is not resting on anything and they're on their stomach. So you could even hold them in tummy time. Okay. So holding them and, um, just uh, like against your chest with 
tummy chest to chest uh, is a great way. Or like I said, that foot, that uh, airplane hold, or even having them on their side, like holding them on their side facing out is another good way to work on. Does that oh, make okay. sense? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely. have a lot of visuals yeah, that, that, of these on that. my Instagram page. <laughs> Sometimes it's kind of hard to just talk okay. through things, but yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. I know that it's kind of hard to talk about, about some of the, the different things without mm-hmm. a visual, but I know that on your Instagram account that you have a lot of helpful visuals. So definitely uh, if anyone's listening, wants to get ideas of what that looks like, you know, go, go check that out. And then also uh, you're really generous. I know that you have a, a handout that, that you offered our listeners and we'll link that in the mm-hmm. show notes. And I, I know that you have some tips in there as well. So how about the next, ex, uh, the next age range that you have? So three to six months, what should you be doing with your baby at that yeah, time? Yeah. So around three to six months, you're going to want to start seeing them begin to roll. So that's the, that's really the thing that you want to look towards and you want to work towards during that time. Um, So rolling from tummy to back or back to tummy. And what you can really do is you can start by one of my favorite ways to play at this age is having them on their side. So if they don't stay Mm. on their side, um, one of the easiest things you can do is put a pillow or your leg or something and have something. A lot Mm. of times at this age, they're going to be more interested in like mirrors, like you were saying earlier, looking at themselves. Um, (laughs) And then also their, their vision is going to want to, is want to see more black, white, and red. So if you can find anything with those colors, Mm. that's going to really attract them. Um, So they make like a lot of like black, white, and red books and stuff like that. That's just because that's the first colors that your baby learns to see. And are they more high contrast? So that's going to engage them more. So that's another kind of way to engage them in that position. You can hold them in that position or have them rest against you on that laying on their side, because that's going to be the in-between motion that they're going to need in order to roll over. So what you can also do is you can practice from that, from that position, you can also practice rolling them onto their tummy or rolling them onto their back. And then this is also where I like to work okay. on like during like, cause you're, you're changing their diaper like every couple hours, right? Like, so working on that during diaper changes. <laughs> yeah. So rolling them onto their tummy and then picking them up. Or even when you pick them up from the crib, because they're going to be laying mm. on their back, rolling them onto their stomach and then picking them up different things like that. Just really teaching mm. them. You're not going to, you're, you're not going to do any harm by teaching them the motions, like they're going to learn it on their own eventually, but like showing them by, right. by doing it yourself is going to be a great way to start. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. So starting, so zero to three months, it sounds like you want to focus a lot on the tummy time and then three to six months, then you're going to want to focus more on the side and then the rolling. Yeah. Back. And then in tummy time at zero to or three to six months, sorry, um, you're going to want to start seeing them pushing up more like with straight hands or straight mm-hmm. elbows and flat hands. Um, so some ways okay. to work on that is doing tummy time over like a boppy pillow where they where they're able to really like push up through their hands, or even over. Mm. Um, yeah, or like or even over your legs, like different things like that to try and really develop that arm strength. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. 
And then what about the next age range? So six to nine months, what should we be doing in that age yeah, range? So this is when our babies really are going to start wanting to move. So, uh, yeah, zero to six months, a lot of times there's not a ton happening, but you want to see them rolling by now, um, ideally in a typically developing child. Uh, but there's very large range. I, I always like to say uh, just to make sure to that people know that there's a very large range of normal as far as development goes. Um, but this is just okay. very general and explaining what I, what I would hope to see in a typical child um, from a physical therapist perspective. Um, but anyways, from six to nine months, you want to start seeing them begin to crawl or, or really just start pushing for pushing, inching their way forward on their tummy. Uh, or also, and then also a lot of times you'll start seeing them begin to sit up on their own at this age. Um, so some, this is, uh, there's a lot of things that you can really work on at this age, but a lot of times what I like to do is really work on getting them on their hands and knees, which, so you, what you can do is, so di doing different things like playing just on your hands and knees over a pillow or over, over mom's legs or, um, mm. and then also if you start noticing that they're trying to inch forward, like a lot of times what I've noticed is that babies will get really frustrated on their tummy because they really want to crawl, but they can't. So they're like, right. they're like, ah, That's what my I really want to go now. forward, but I can't yeah. because they don't have the proper strength yet. And they don't properly know how to push off of right. the floor with their feet in order to go forward. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, one of the things that I like to do is either put their feet against it, like a couch or like a, like a hard a wall or something and have them when they do start wiggling and stuff, they're going to naturally push their feet against the wall and it's going to push them forward. Oh, yeah. One thing you can also do is put your hands okay. against their feet and have them yeah. bend their knees and push forward. And that'll teach them kind of like the input that they need in their feet in order to go forward. And then mm. eventually they're going to learn how to do it from the, the ground. Uh, it might take some time, but that's a good way to teach them that. And then also a lot of times crawling is going to progress. Uh, most times it, they, the baby starts by pivoting. So pivoting on their tummy. So meaning like going in a circle on their tummy and then they might start pushing mm, okay. themselves backwards and then they'll go forwards. Oftentimes it doesn't always happen in that particular order, but that's oftentimes what you see. And so, uh, so a good way to work on this is just putting a toy toys like in a inner like a rainbow arch around them when they're on their tummy so that they're they they are okay. they're inclined to move towards that direction. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah. Okay. Is there a toy that's like that or how how could I like for example how could I easily access a, a rainbow arch like that like how or do you make well, it? it yeah it, it'd really be like finding their favorite toys and placing them like one like placing like five different toys in a in like an arch does that make sense yeah yeah so, yeah yeah I guess I'm wondering um where where do you get the arch well, from it wouldn't, or do, be, like, you it wouldn't it? be like you were necessarily you wouldn't have to have like an arch necessarily you could just put the toys oh, okay. in that position 
Yeah. Oh, I see. Sense? Okay. Yeah. Yes, you could you could do it. Yeah. Well, no, because they'd be on their stomach, so you want it to be on the floor. Does that make oh, sense? Oh, I see. Okay. I thought I, I I guess I was yeah I was thinking a different yeah, visual. Yeah. So I got it. So you put them in uh-huh. on the floor, so then it motivates them to go exactly. get this object. Yes. Yeah, but in the okay. in a sense. way where it's gonna be in like an arch, so that they're they want to pivot towards it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. That's kind of where the purposeful, yeah, it's purposeful play comes into into play. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense that if they're motivated and they see something, then they're going to want to, it motivates them to go yes. get it. Yeah. It's a lot of <laughs> right. Um, motivational play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, and then how about this sitting up during that time? What do you, what are your thoughts on like the bumbo chair? Is that good? Or should you like help them sit up? Or is that just something that they're just going to learn automatically? Um, so as far as sitting up goes, that's one thing that they, that babies a lot of times have an easier time learning to sit, sit up on their own in one position than learning how to get into that position. So, um, okay. Hmm. I'll just start. One one uh, thing that I like to I recommend is not just placing your baby in that sitting position um, because mm. they're going to learn that they're not the thing that that's really that's hard for a lot of babies to learn is going from their back or from their tummy into that sitting position. And if they they're going to okay. get frustrated if they want to sit, but they don't know how to get there because babies love sitting up and playing because they can see everything. Like you're not looking at the ceiling, you're not looking, your face isn't in the floor, (laughs) but if you're just forcing them into that position, they're not going to learn how to get there. So I like to encourage people to really try working on that transition or instead of just placing your baby in sitting, laying them on the floor and then sitting them up. Like, and so, so don't place your baby directly okay. in sitting. Place them on the on their back or on their stomach when they're on the floor, and then have them get up on their own. Mm. Um, as far as okay. learning how to sit on their own, a boppy pillow is a great. Uh, I I think the boppy pillow is great because they still have the freedom to move around, and they still have that support mm. um, where they can. It's not as restrictive uh, as far as the bumbo seat goes. It's not my favorite because a lot of all the any of the baby seats are not going to teach a baby how to sit because they're putting they're putting the baby in a position where they're they're like fixed in that position so they're not learning their muscles aren't properly developing in order to be able to sit up on their own um and also a lot of times what the way that the baby the seats made is putting their pelvis in like um what's called a posteriorly tilted or like slouched position that isn't helping to properly develop the muscles to be able to sit up and then also a lot of times they're not they're not made for they're not allowing for proper hip development either so there's a bumbo multi-seat I think and then there's also one called the up seat that is better but it's not it's I still don't recommend a baby seat because there's so many other ways you can support your baby in sitting. Like I said, with the boppy pillow or even, um, yeah, with like pillows around them or sitting against a couch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. 
And then I know that I wanted to ask you more about the the transitions, because I, I know that you talk about that on your page about how transitioning is actually really important. So that sounds like what you're talking about right, right now is kind of referencing that that transition. So maybe we can just jump ahead briefly just to so you can kind of explain what that is, the, the transitions. Yeah, so transitions just means like, like a lot of times there's static positions. So such as just sitting in one place or standing in one place and transitions is basically just how you get to that position. So kind of what I was talking about just now is uh, trying to avoid placing your baby directly into sitting and instead laying them on their back or on their stomach and having them learn to get into sitting before they, before they sit up or, same thing. You can do that during diaper changes or when you pick them up from the crib, you can, you can sit them up instead of just directly picking them up so that they learn the, that the proper motion for that. And then as far as just placing them into in standing, it's, it goes the same way. You really want to try and encourage them to pull themselves into stand. So instead of just placing them into standing, you want to either lay them on the floor or, um, yeah, lay them on the floor so that they can sit up and then eventually crawl over to whatever position they want to pull the stand. So really just trying to be um, purposeful about the way that you uh, that you place your baby on the floor in order to help them learn those different skills on how to get into those different positions. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then is that important because then they're using their using those muscles to help them transition? Is that from like a physical therapy standpoint, is that why it's important working on the transitions? Yeah, um, well, first they, they could get stuck in that position and not know how to get out. Um, or also, okay. yes, from a physical therapist's perspective, those core muscles that they need to sit up on their own or to go into standing are very essential for, for crawling and walking and other different skills that they're going to need to have later on. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then when you're talking about have them sit up on their own, I I know that we're going to post this video on our YouTube, but for anyone who's listening just on the podcast, the audio, uh, are you like pulling on their arms gently to have them kind of like do a sit up? Is that how you get them to do it themselves? Um, It's it's a little tricky to explain, um, but what you want to do is you want to roll them onto their side and then sit them up. So that's kind of, that's the best way that you want to... Uh, teach them how to sit up so that they can push up on their arm into sitting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're basically guiding them through those yes, transition right, phases. Right. Uh-huh. Got it. Okay. Yeah, and then eventually you that want to encourage them to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Great. So going back to the the different age age ranges, I think we're on the six to nine months now. So how about in the nine to twelve month range? What are some things that we can be practicing with our Yeah, kids. so um, once they're learning to crawl, uh, some different things that you can do. As So usually like between 9 and 10 months, we want to see babies starting to crawl on their hands and knees. Um, and so some things you can do to help with that is have them crawl over your legs or set up like a, like a pillow obstacle course around your living room where they can – basically like crawl over all the pillows um, 
in order to encourage that. A lot of times, one of the main questions I get is, how do you go from army crawling to hands and knees crawling? And around this age is when you're going to start seeing that. Um, and then it's very like uh, nine to 12 months, you see a lot of skills emerging because oftentimes this is also when you're going to start seeing them pulling to stand on furniture or, uh, mm-hmm. and then once they're on their feet, they're wanting to, you know, go, go into cruising or rotating to pick up a toy or sit or, or wanting, figuring out how to go from that position of standing with support to being on the floor. So there's a lot of different things, but I think the main, the main skills to work on that you can work on in this is doing that, the setting up like an obstacle course for crawling is a great, is a great purposeful play method that you could do at this age. And then also working on playing in different positions. So I mentioned the hands and knees, but you can also work on playing on your knees. So uh, at a surface on your knees, you can use like a diaper box or a laundry basket, a lower surface. Um, A lot of times it's going to be easier for a baby to pull themselves to stand on a lower surface before a higher surface. So uh, I have a post on this, but different things you can do is you can take out the couch cushions and um, have them practice pulling the sand or playing and kneeling at, uh, without the couch cushions until they're like ready to go to mm. a higher surface, like with the couch cushions. So that's, that's kind of a simple way that you can work on that if that's where your baby's at in their development. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Wow, I'm learning so much. I'm so excited too because since I have, especially since I have a baby too, so I'm just making notes and I'm just gonna make sure I do all of these things as my youngest James is growing. In these it's different a lot ages, of information all at once. <laughs> I guess that's that's good. It's recorded because yeah, people can replay it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then your handout is super helpful too. So anyone listening again, um, we'll we'll have the handout. It linked in the show notes, and then also, obviously, anyone can visit your social media pages or your mm-hmm. website too. So, how about the the next age range? It's twelve to eighteen months that that you divide up on your on your different sites. So, what should we be working on during that? Or, I guess, not working on because the whole thing about is your whole site and your whole idea is purposeful play. So, what should we? Be, how should we be playing with our children? Right. Yeah. Age? What are some play ideas? Or yeah. Um. So at that, so around just like a, around 12 to 16 months is when typically babies start taking steps. I think a lot of people think that the range is a lot lower and you can't, you can see babies start taking steps earlier than that. And a lot of times I will recommend a PT intervention if they aren't walking by 16 or 17 months, um, so that's okay. kind of like Yeah, the, I was going to ask you yeah. what age do you think that they should be for sure? Because I know a lot of parents listening are probably also checking it off saying, oh, is mm-hmm. my kid's doing that mm-hmm. on time and everything? So that's right. a big worry. Right. So that's, so that's really a, good It's a know. big range, really. Um, a lot of people are worried if their baby's not walking by their first birthday, but that's really on the lower <laughs> end, end of normal. So, um, and right. oftentimes okay. during that time, the baby, you know, a baby – it takes a while for them to develop, but then they just get it one day. So, so yeah. So, right. 
Yeah. It seems like they just do it overnight. Suddenly they're just not walking. And then the next day, at least it uh-huh. seems like that from my uh-huh. friends' kids, they're not walking at all. The next time I see them, like a week later, they're walking. Yeah. Suddenly. And then also, a lot of times, this will be good for listeners to know, but your first steps do count as walking. So like a lot of times, this is the same with crawling, the same with rolling. Sometimes you see them roll and then you don't see it for like a week later because it's like, and then they start just really getting it. Like, so a lot of times, like what happens is they'll take their first steps. And so, you know, they can do it, but they might not do it all the time. So, I mean, and it it can take months for them to be fully independent walking on like, like down the street or something like that, you know, like they're going to start by taking a (laughs) few steps at a time until they build up that confidence and that strength to be able to just take off. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's good. I think that's helpful to know as a mom, because there is a lot of pressure in motherhood in making sure your kid develops on time. And I just also like, I'm a mom too. And I understand that there's, there's, you know, you never, um, that as a mom, it's just like, it's not worth putting that pressure on yourself, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I never want people to feel guilty or judged because if anything, it's my, my goal is really just to help other parents. So yeah. (laughs) As a side note. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny you say that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love that because with my daughter, I was, kind of like that. You know, I always wanted her to be like right at the exact age or a little early or right at the cusp of every single new skill that she was supposed to be learning or whatnot. But then with James, I kind of had that same mentality because it's like, well, you know, I mean, I, I know that some kids really do need to go to physical therapist and get help as you're saying. And I'm sure that you see those cases, but at the same time, like, I mean, they all learn to walk mm-hmm. eventually, you know, unless they have some, um, you know, I think maybe that's the worry then with most moms that they're wondering, oh, is there something wrong with my child? But I mean, in general, like most kids are going to be walking. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as walking goes, the, the biggest like building blocks to walking that I feel like are important to address is so you want to see them start to pull the sand and then you want to see them cruise, which is cruising long furniture, which is when they take like side steps along furniture. We call that cruising in the PT world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually they might start like going from like a table to a couch or something like a little bit farther apart. Um, and then as far as standing goes, you you oftentimes don't see them standing on their own until after they start taking steps. This doesn't always happen, but mm. it kind of goes hand in hand. So at this age, at, at 12 to 18 months, you're really going to start seeing steps and standing and they're going to want to be on their feet a lot more. So some things that you can do okay. to some play ideas as far as this goes is you can have them stand with their back, like against a wall or something with support and or even standing towards a wall and putting like suction type toys. Like I really like squigs or like there's some other different suction toys out there so that they're real, they're playing with support, but it's at like a vertical surface. Um, So that's a good way to work on that standing balance. And then you can do the opposite where their back is against the wall and they're playing and then they might 
even start taking steps towards you from that position. Um, a lot of times. Okay. They're called yeah, wigs, you uh-huh. said? I've, I've never heard yeah. of those before. <laughs> Um, they're great. You can okay. use them for a I'll lot in physical therapy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they, <laughs> uh, it's by fat brain toys is the company. Um, and yeah, okay. so they suction to the wall or, uh, really to any like sticky surface and yeah. So they're fun to play with, um, at any age. <laughs> um, yeah, the name uh-huh. sounds yeah, fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, and then. A lot of times I also recommend so uh, so as far as starting to take steps since that's kind of where we're at in this age range some mm-hmm. some different ideas you can have them start taking steps towards like a couch or like a soft surface where they because they're not going to know how to slow down as much in the beginning so what I would do is I would just like hold my son away from the couch like a little bit and then just let him go and see and he just like would basically like, mm. like tumble towards the couch, but he was using it. He was stepping, yeah. um, but it wasn't mm. quite controlled yet. So that's a good way. And then before they're like ready to go out, go on their own, as far as that goes. So I would say holding them and having them go towards a couch or something like that. And then also having their back against the surface and going towards you. And then you can start kind of having them walk in between like another person, you and another person or you and your spouse or whoever, um, just doing very, very little distance at first and then gradually increasing the distance as that goes. And then one thing also to touch on that I feel like is very important is not to, to make sure to not like a lot of times people think that holding their kids' hands above like their shoulders is like, oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. That. I've been yeah. guilty of that and it's, myself. It's really hard to not do it, but there's something called nursemaid's yeah. elbow that happens in children. And it's basically oh. an elbow dislocation because, um, <gasps> Yeah, and it and so a lot of times, like one way, uh, the main way that that happens is like by swinging, swinging your kid like from their hands, but it can also happen oh, if you're accidentally yeah. pulling up, um, because they're those joints aren't aren't fully okay. developed yet. So it's something that I think a right. lot of people don't know about. Um, so what I recommend is if you're going to hold them by their hands, holding them either at shoulder level or below, or or holding okay. them at their shoulders or at their hips is really one of the best mm. ways to really work on that. Because then they're also not dependent on your hands. Because a lot of times babies yeah. will be like, "Oh, I only need I need mom to take or I need I need a hand to take a step." Like so, they become more confident right. in not having to have that hand to hold. But yeah, so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a key point I think in walking as far as from. Just from a PT perspective, something that you do see in PT and that you do see happen sometimes is that nursemaid's elbow because of not knowing Mm. that you're not supposed to pull up on the hands. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that for the walking. I mean, I definitely did that with my Uh daughter a lot, but I knew the swinging from the arms. I knew that wasn't good. So that's good to Mm -hmm. know that you couldn't do that Mm -hmm. for the walking too. Okay. How about the next age range, 18 to 24 months? What are some things that we can be encouraging our kids to do at that age? Yeah. Um, so at that age, that's kind of where I'm at right now because I have a two-year-old. So that's been kind of fun. I feel like I'm. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of like uh, fresh on my mind. But 
some things that <laughs> yeah. are good to work on is starting to work on like balancing on one foot or so you want they want you want them to be walking by now uh walking up and down the right. stairs so with mostly up the stairs at this age but while holding on to your hand or while holding on to a handrail um and one thing one way you can work on that initially is just by having them step up and down like a curb or like a step or something like that just so that it's not as intimidating as a full flight of stairs uh, that's a good thing to work on. You can work on stepping over different things as far as like putting a towel in the middle of the floor and having them step over that. Um, okay. Cl- uh, playing on the playground is great because they climb up and down stairs and go down slides and all that stuff. It almost like naturally encourages all those movements. Uh, working on like kicking mm-hmm. a ball is good. So like uh, when like bringing a ball on on your walk in the neighborhood and having your kid kick the ball as they go um, is always Mm -hmm. fun. And that's a good way to work on balancing on that one foot. Yeah. Those are, those are all great. And yeah, I just, as you were saying that, that we, we just got a little soccer ball for my daughter. She's three Mm -hmm. and I wish I would have gotten it sooner too. Cause I mean, she, Uh she loves it. She always was kicking other random balls, but they make, I didn't realize that they actually make like toddler size balls until I was like looking on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I thought, Oh, they have like little toddler size balls. And then that's been so much easier mm-hmm. for her to kick, which is a lot of fun to see. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. That's very true. We did start with like a toddler size ball. When I started noticing my son was interested in balls, which at around, I mean, really around like nine to 18 months, I feel like that's when, uh, kids start getting in, really interested in balls and like what balls do and bouncing balls and throwing mm-hmm. balls and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's yeah. a great age to introduce So many things it. to do with yes. balls. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So how about avoiding containers? I know that I had asked you before the episode what you were most passionate about. And I know that you mentioned avoiding containers. And at first I didn't really know what you meant. So again, like I'm just so excited to talk to you and learn all this these new different terminology or different things. Uh, but you know, once I read through your handout that you had sent, I saw that your number two tip for purposeful play is avoiding containers. So what do you, what do you mean by that? What is a container? I know that I mentioned the bumbo earlier. And so uh, obviously I've read it, so I, I, I can see what you, what you said, but for everyone who's listening, who's not really familiar with the idea of what are containers and how to avoid them, why should we, avoid them? And then what should we be doing instead of of these devices? Yeah, of course. Um, I think containers is kind of like a, yeah, it's like another PT lingo phrase. Like every, every PT knows what we're talking about, but parents are probably like, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, why would I put my baby <laughs> yeah, in that's a not container? My um, yeah. <laughs> but really, it's just a way of explaining, like putting your baby in a fixed, like, restricted position where they can't freely move, they can't freely use the muscles that they need to use in order to develop the proper strength um, to develop that mobility that they need. So um, some examples of containers would be, like I said, like the bumbo seat or any baby seat, really a baby swing, a bouncer. um, Yeah, a rocker, exerciser, um, different things like that, that often times, I think it's just important to know that those things do not help promote development. There's a lot of research mm-hmm. uh, that shows that 
they actually can delay development if your baby is in there for a long period of time. And I think a lot of times, like, what happens is I'm, I'm a mom, you get busy, you need to take a shower, you need to, you know, you need to run into the other room real quick. And you're like, I'm not gonna put my baby on the floor. I don't know where they're gonna end up, you know, like, or like you, you. And so I think that the issue is the overuse of these items. It's not necessarily Mm -hmm. using them. But if you don't use them, then you're you're putting you're optimizing, you know, every opportunity for your baby. But so I guess my Mm -hmm. my biggest thing is just making sure that if you are going to use these things, not depending on them. So using them for 10 to 15 minutes max at a time. So let's say you need to take a shower, you need to go to the bathroom real quick or like different things like that. Like I'm a mom. I understand that these things do need to be used, but just being conscious about not keeping them in that position for a long period of time. Um, And, and just knowing. Yeah. And then also if you are to use them to make sure that you are putting, giving your baby free play, which is, Putting them on the floor is kind of is a great way to give them an open environment to learn unrestricted play where they can learn how to use those muscles properly um, and learn how to move in the natural environment that they're really seeking. So making sure to do that floor time like three or four times the amount of time that they are in the container. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, really, I mean, yeah, it they – they don't do, they don't help with development and they also can lead to positional abnormalities of the head, such as like plagiocephaly, which is basically just like flat spots on your head. Um, and, or torticollis, which is that head tilt that oftentimes Mm -hmm. they're referred to physical therapy because of that when you could prevent it by Mm -hmm. keeping them out of those positions. And what's that um, head it's tilt? Called what, what exactly is that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that, what is the symptom um, so of So what it is, is it's actually just a tight muscle. So the muscle that's, that's mm. responsible for tilting your head one way and rotating it the opposite direction gets tight in babies. Oh, I see. They're and this can, uh, there's, there's different ways that this is caused. A lot of times what it is caused at birth, um, but it doesn't, mm. it can also be caused by positions that the baby's in. Mm-hmm. And Got so it. if they're okay. resting in that position in a swing for hours at a time, it's going to, it's going to tighten that muscle. And the only thing that can treat that is physical therapy intervention. And if they're not treated, like a lot of times if they're not treated before six or seven months, it can actually, uh, it can actually be harder to harder to prevent in the future. Yeah. Mm, so, okay. That's mm-hmm. really good to know. Yeah. So a lot of PT referrals are because of extended use in containers, unfortunately, with the with that position. Oh wow! I had yeah. no idea. Mm-hmm. Or it just makes it makes it worse okay. too. So. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you said 10 to 15 minutes of, at a time. Is there a limit like during the day, let's say, so 10 to 15 minutes at a time, should you maybe do it no more than like a handful of times? Cause I'm just thinking in my head, that's like, you know, five times, like at least 15 right, minutes. Right. So. I guess, I mean, like when the baby's awake, they shouldn't be in, in the container more than 10 to 15 minutes. Um, so it depends okay. on the baby's age, how often they're awake, but 
I think that the important thing is making sure to really take advantage of those times that they're awake, that they're playing on the floor. And mm. so as far as alternatives to containers go, um, a lot of times I'll have moms or parents say to me like, but I can't put my baby on the floor because there's a dog or there's a crazy toddler. Like what else am I supposed to do? <laughs> and you can, um, right. a lot of times I recommend a pack and play because they're still, they're still able to freely move around in a flat surface. Uh, and you just put a bunch mm-hmm. of toys in there or you hang something from the top or, put a mirror in there, something to entertain them. That is a great way to also create that free unrestricted play um, or, or a play yard. We, we use like a baby gate for the longest period of time to just block off our living room. And it really was just this big playroom right. where there's couches that encircle it and there's just a gate. And so my son couldn't go anywhere, but he had this like very large open area that he could play safely in. Um, so, or those exactly. different play yards that you can get that are like in an octagon gone or circle shape. Those are also great. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. My sister has one of those. Mm-hmm. Those are great. Yeah. So. Okay. So out of the containers onto the floor, try to simulate them on the floor. I, I do get it though. I mean, as you were saying, it's, it's can get tiring if you're just trying to constantly entertain your baby, mm-hmm. but Maybe if they just have like different things that they can play with on the floor, then that'll that'll kind of keep their attention. Do you have any favorites? I guess of, um, I know you had mentioned that. What was what was that thing? The the suction cups on oh, the yeah, wall. Yeah, the squigs. Uh huh. Yeah. The squigs. Yeah. Are there any other? I guess go to toys that you have or things to entertain kids on the floor so that they are more entertained or stimulated. Um, it kind of just depends on the age. I do have like a a toy guide on my Instagram page that I did for the holidays that has like some really great ideas for each age. But I think anything that like, um, I mean, really the simpler, the better, but things with mirrors, things with black and white, those seem to really engage kids, things that make noise, different things like that um, can are are always great. Like I love like the tummy time mirrors or there's this, there's these new tummy time water mats that are out. And Oh, I just got yeah, one of those. And I'm yeah. I just heard about it. Yeah. Like 12 bucks or something. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah, they're super cheap and yeah. Affordable. And, um, I think they could, they could work for like a lot of stages of development, like just to, Mm-hmm. When, when they're trying to learn to push up on their arms or on their hands and knees. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be getting it. I have a baby on the way coming in July and I'll definitely be, that's like on my list. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hadn't heard of it. Um, one of my cousins, I saw that she, she had a baby, uh, I think a week after I did and she got that for him and she's just, since it's her first, she's doing like a ton of research. And I guess there's all these new things that came out since I had my daughter, which was just a little over three years ago. (laughs) So now I kind of feel behind, behind the times. Like it was only three years ago. I thought I knew everything. And then here's this cool water mat. And it just has like, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's it's just kind of like filled with, with water or gel or something. And then it has like, like little mm-hmm. fish or little objects for them. So I was just getting it so that my son, James, he could just, when he's doing tummy time, so it entertains yeah. him more because I'm just trying mm-hmm. to like build up his muscles and everything. Yeah, that's great. But yeah, I'm really excited uh-huh. to use it. Yeah, I'm excited to see how you like it. 
Yeah. And then yeah, uh-huh. you know. other things that I love, they, they make like these piggy banks with like coins that you can put in the piggy um, oh, or like yeah. there's like a treasure chest. My daughter loves that yeah, toy. Yeah. That's a great toy for really any age. Um, well, yeah. Not like when they're super little, but yeah. Um, I always... Yeah, she, I think she really got into that. I think maybe a little, well, whenever they can start like picking yeah. things up, I forgot what age yeah. that is. She was into that for mm-hmm. a while, like at least a year and a half, yeah. I want to say. Yeah, maybe like six to seven months or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I, I know we're running out of time, but I still want to talk a little bit about a couple other topics I had mentioned. So uh, one is the vestibular system. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. So you have to tell me. And then also the gross motor skills for potty training, because that just blew my mind. And I really want to learn about that. <laughs> this is so relevant in my, in, uh, in my life right now. Uh, so what about the, how do you say that? The vestibular? <laughs> um, it's the vestibular system. So basically it's, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I did. I got <laughs> you it. You did yeah. get it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's one of the sensory systems that is in our body. So uh, there's, you know, the five senses, sights, sight. Yeah. Anyways, the five senses, I'll just make it brief, but um, the vestibular system is the one responsible for your balance and your equilibrium. And so Mm. what uh, it originates or it's, in your inner ear, there's organs in your inner ear that are responsible for this. So, but what, what happens oftentimes in children is they're either like oversensitive to the vestibular, vestibular stimulation is what we would call it, um, or under. So a lot, so this would be like a child that's really afraid of like a swing or something like, like, so a lot of times, some ways to work on your vestibular system or to work on just stimulating that are anything that involves movement. But then there's also children that are very like over, they, they really like the vestibular stimulation. So those are those kids that love like, like my son yeah. who loves like jumping off of everything and running around anything that involves movement, like is spinning. his thing. Yeah. Yeah. So or spinning or right. swinging or sliding down the slide. So it's great for both of both. It's great to incorporate into your play for really, if you're sensitive to it or if you're not, because you're going to want to, you're going to want to have them gradually adapt to that vestibular stimulation, um, no matter what. So some ways to work on, this is really just one aspect of their sensory system, like I said, um, which I could go further into. And it's more like occupational therapists that are more specialized in this kind of stuff. But some ways like that we mm-hmm. we would help stimulate our son's vestibular system were just like by, by sliding him on a blanket like along the floor. And he just loved it. We even did that when he was like crawling because, I mean, they're on their tummy Aww. and, you know, they're – yeah it's not really going to, going to do any harm as long as they're, you're, you're doing it slowly and <laughs> supervised. And, um, yeah. So doing stuff like that or, or swinging on the playground or sliding down a slide or jumping off of things, all those things are going to help to stimulate. Um, when they're really little, a lot of, you know, how a lot of times babies love that rocking and bouncing and oh, some babies are more, they calm down more with the rocking and bouncing than others. So that's basically mm-hmm. in like 
in medical terms, that's really vestibular input that they need uh, to help help them. And their, their okay. vestibular system might just, they just might need a little bit more of that vestibular input. <laughs> it's, I don't know if that makes sense or not. That's fascinating. Yeah. That explains yeah. why James just loves being rocked all mm-hmm. the time. And yeah, he, he just loves being calmed by me rocking him, even though it's always when I'm so tired and I just want to sit, but he wants me to rock him around. So I guess mm-hmm. that, that makes sense why he likes that then. Uh, yeah, and switching no gears right. a little to the, yeah. the last question I, I wanted to get to. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Oh, no, that's fine. I was just going to say there's no right or wrong way. Like, it's not it's not bad if your kid doesn't like it or if they don't. It's just it's just helpful as a mom to know what ways you can properly trigger those systems and like best benefit your child as far as that goes. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's super helpful mm-hmm. to know too. So uh, for the last question I really wanted to ask you was about the gross motor skills for potty training, which I know I had mentioned that I, it never even crossed my mind, but it makes sense when once I saw that on, on your websites that kids would have to have the different skills, the different motor skills in order to Mm-hmm. you know, use the potty and be potty mm-hmm. trained. And I just love how physical therapy can help every single aspect of our, of our lives, including children. So what are some gross motor skills for potty training and how can we practice those with our kids? Yeah, I think the, the three that I really think of are learning how to squat. So, cause you're going to need to learn how to be in that squatting position for a long period of time, uh, learning how to step up and down a step And then also making sure that a kid is comfortable sitting without much support around them. So they're not a lot of times. um, So what you can do is work on like being at a table and dropping a toy on the ground and having them squat to pick up a toy or sitting on a bench um, or even just stepping up and down a step or having them practice washing their hands. So when we first, when we first started potty training with our son, we're kind of still in the process. He's two and a half and <laughs> it's, it's like a, like a win or lose situation some days, but um, uh, we made sure to get, we got like one of those, and this is, I think this is kind of debatable, but we got like a floor potty for him. So he sat on it while we used the bathroom. So then he got used to sitting in a long sitting for a long period of time because oftentimes kids just want to get right back up. They're like, why would I sit here? Um, and then we also got him like a step stool and there's, you know, there's tons of different kinds of step stools. So he could practice like climbing up to the sink to wash his hands or something like that. And so those are things that you could, you could do before they're even ready for potty for actually going to the bathroom or even showing those signs of readiness so that once you do get there, they don't have to, they're more comfortable with that part because there's a little, there's a whole nother learning process with everything else that's going on. Um, another thing that you can also work on is their breathing. So, cause a lot of times, um, this goes more into like pelvic floor, but, uh, you, the muscles that are responsible for breathing out are in your abdominals, which are also responsible for going to the bathroom. And so working on different things such as like blowing bubbles or blowing up a balloon or blowing um, out a candle or stuff like that are also great ways that you can work on that control and coordination that they're going to need to have when they eventually learn to go to the bathroom. So as I mentioned at the earlier in the episode that we will have the free 
download that you generously provided our listeners in our show notes. And I know I've had some questions before, you know, where are the show notes? So basically whatever app you're listening in, just look at the description of the episode. And then at the bottom of that description, you'll see a link to that. And that's where you can also watch the video if you're listening and you want to see the the visual version and, uh, you know, maybe see some of the things that we're talking about or gesturing, (laughs) or if you prefer to watch the video version. And our last question that I really wanted to ask you, Danielle, which is uh, more personal in nature, but it's, uh, it goes in line with our motto that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one, that I would love for you to give an example of a time when you realized that it wasn't okay to be a perfect mom and okay to be a good one instead. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I feel like I feel like when I first had a baby, I like didn't realize the amount of pressure that there would be to be this perfect, like, I don't know, I just think I it just sounds so much easier than (laughs) it is when you actually have a child. And I think there's a lot of different, like, different ways I feel like that there's, I think the biggest thing is just when you're when you're focused on being so perfect and having like being so put together having the perfect put together house or or wearing the perfect thing or whatever you're taking time away from focusing on your child so like i think for a while i was so set i think one of the, like the biggest examples is just like if the dishes weren't done or something and like my child is like indicating that he wants attention instead of I have a really hard time like not finishing something. So like, instead of being like, Mm -hmm. I need to get these dishes done right now. Like instead of doing that, just letting go of that, these are going to get done eventually. Like my son needs me right now and I need to go over there and be a good mom and not like a perfect one, I guess is like, and -hmm. just in different, there's, there's many instances where I feel like that has, but I think that's definitely something I've had to learn and grow through being a mom. (laughs) I love that example so much. And it uh-huh. is hard, just as you were saying, when, when there's something dirty, like dirty dishes or whatnot, it's hard to just say no to them and, and just live in the moment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, just have, you we said, take on but, so many roles as a mm-hmm. parent. Yeah. Exactly. And so prioritizing, mm-hmm. okay, what's like, what's the most important role that I have? Like, it's showing exactly. love and caring for my child. And really, I mean, I heard this one time is just the, the best way you can show love to your child is time, like t- time, like spending time with them. And so mm-hmm. they're not going to care if the dishes are done. They're not going to care if, you know, like, exactly. if the house is a wreck. <laughs> I <Yeah>. will, but. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. So. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Danielle, for coming on our show. I really enjoyed our conversation and I, I, as I mentioned that I'm going to be replaying this episode myself and just referencing your, your Instagram page. And so could you say one more time what your Instagram handle is and your Facebook handle uh, just for anyone listening and then your website too, so people can find you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It there's, everything's going to be explained a lot more in detail um, and with a lot of better visuals over on my Instagram page, which is purposeful uh, underscore play underscore PT. Um, and then my Facebook, you just search purposeful play PT, um, just a regular Facebook page. And then my website is purposefulplaypt.com. Great. Well, thank you so much. And as I mentioned, you can also get some handouts in our show notes. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Danielle. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Hope that was helpful and insightful information. (laughs) Yes, it was amazing. So thank you so much. 